This is a strategist, episode 999.99. My name is Zane Belgie. With me as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, how are you? Uh, Stephen, how is it in your last minutes being a free man? Uh, now, the, the, the listeners may not be able to hear it, but Corey and I, just before we went on, could hear those sirens getting very loud outside your house. Those were um, those were firefighters. Those were, they're coming to see my wife. I think is what's going on. <laughs> Heather uh, grows tired of me every day, and is uh, talent. You know, auditioning the new talent, shall we say? So, why do you have to make it weird right away? Why does yeah, it have to be that? Just extremely awkward right me, off the bat. Let me tell you right now, I, I apologize. I'm just asking you guys, please do not Patrick Brown me. So uh, keep keep me in the race, guys. Keep me in the race, please. Breaking news. Oh, Wait, yeah, Carter, 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 do you want to break the news? We we have uh, breaking news off the top. Um, and that breaking news, Carter, of course, uh, is that Flair Airlines has signed a multi-year partnership as the official airline of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Carter, that is quite... <laughs> A announcement by Flair Airlines. Carter, this is, of course, uh, to remind the new listeners to the podcast, first of all, welcome. Secondly, uh, our sponsor, Flair Airlines. Not our sponsor. Uh, yeah, not moving. our sponsor. Uh, uh, Carter, our, our sponsor is now broadening uh, their wings, maybe expanding the wings of one of their 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 very, very poor airlines, and uh, now getting into to basketball, which is another hot topic on this, uh, on this podcast as well, Carter. Well, let me tell you something. There's no confirmation yet, but I am told... The reason why Patrick Brown has been Patrick Brown, he accepted a sponsorship from Flair Airlines, and that's why he couldn't get his campaign up in the air. <laughs> Listen, no. I, I mean, come on, Carter, your, your, your attempts to try to connect everything to the next thing, while honorable, uh, are misfiring. That was pretty. Speaking fantastic. of misfiring, Corey Flair Airlines, um, you know they have. <laughs> uh, they're sponsoring the Canadian Elite Basketball League, and I and you listen, we rarely fulfill our sponsorship obligations on this show. But I have one piece of strategic advice. Hear me out, Corey, okay? Yeah. Uh, a dunk contest with all the white guys six foot and under in the Canadian Elite Basketball League, which I assume is the majority of the players on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by Flair Airlines. Just think of this. Just, just, just you know, medium-sized glasses of milk trying to touch the rim sponsored by Flair Airlines. I feel like I would pay to see that. I would so pay I to see that. And I think they need to do it, Corey. I think under six feet dunk contest is something that I could get behind. I don't know why you need to make it, uh, you know. I need to make it racial. I do need to make it racial. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of of making it racial, Carter, Patrick Brown. Yeah. Uh, He is white, but his brown is his last name. Just so so people are clear. This is an audio medium. Some people might think Patrick Brown is brown. I want to correct that. Patrick Brown is white. Uh, He tried to get a lot of brown people uh, to buy memberships for him. Carter, uh, you know, we are now learning through an email by Ian Brody. I'm going to just pull it up here. Yeah. Uh, this was an email literally sent moments ago. Uh, it's the Conservative Party membership. And I do want to discuss this breaking news, if I can call it that. Uh, yeah. And I'm just going to try to well, find it's it. breaking and news. I, and I don't have a card. Hey. Oh, well, it is I've breaking news. Okay, so. Do you want me to read it to you? Ian Brody, Chair of the Leadership Election Organizing Committee. Carter, do you want me to read this or do you want to do a, a cold read for the, for the listeners? I think you should do it. You've got that radio voice that turns me on. Here we go. In recent weeks, our party became aware of serious allegations of wrongdoing by the Patrick Brown campaign that appeared to violate the financial provisions of the Canada Elections Act. Following our rules and procedures for the 2022 leadership, the chief returning officer notified the Patrick Brown campaign of the allegations and asked for a written response. He also withheld the interim membership list from the Patrick Brown campaign. The information provided to date by the Brown campaign did not satisfy the concerns about their compliance with our rules and procedures and or the elections Canada Elections Act. The chief returning officer has therefore recommended to the LEOC. Corey, what's the LEOC? Just for, for, for folks that do not know. Uh, I assume it stands for Leadership Election Organizing Committee or something. To that yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I th- and I thought you'd know it. Okay, that the LEOC disqualify Patrick Brown and earlier tonight, the LEOC has agreed to do so. The party will be sharing the information as gathered with Elections Canada, who is responsible for ensuring compliance with and enforcement of the Canada Elections Act. One more paragraph here. Throughout the investigation into the allegations, the chief returning officer and I, this is Ian Brody speaking, have done our best to be fair to the Brown leadership campaign and provide them with the time they need to substantively refute these allegations. We regret having to take these steps, but we have an obligation to ensure that both our party's rules and federal law are respected by all candidates and campaign teams. None of the problems has any impact on the tech, so that none of these problems 
has any impact on the integrity of the vote itself. While we felt it's important to be transparent uh, to response to party members about this matter, because it's an issue now subject to further investigation, we will not be speaking further on this subject. Carter, that's the, that's the brunt of it. That's what we know literally as of 10 minutes ago, this as is- this email hit many inboxes across the country. Well, 675,000, at least one would say. We'll get yeah. to that in a second. But Carter, uh, <laughs> your initial thoughts when you hear this. This is big. I mean, even Jason Kenney didn't get expelled from the leaderships that he cheated in. So this is this is a significant step forward for the Conservative Party. Um, first of all, <laughs> I think that the big issue here is that it's, it, it has to do with financial information or financial structures. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can get away with in a leadership, but you cannot get away from the uh, financial structures that are being placed over you uh, by the Elections Act and by the Elections Canada uh, Commissioner. That is essential. You can't screw around with those. Um, And the party's also kind of on the hook for that. Uh, Not necessarily that they're going to get fined, but it is a lot of these uh, donations are processed through the parties um, themselves. So this is big news. Um, I don't remember, Corey, you've got a better memory than I, but I don't remember the last time we saw an actual candidate, let alone one that's in the top three of a leadership race, uh, get tossed out um, at this late date or at all, really. I mean, I can't think of any a, a, D- a DQ, as we call it, Corey, a DQ for Patrick Brown. Yeah, to Carter's point, I can't think of a time and um, that might just be my memory failing me, but it's definitely a highly irregular set of events here. And so, you know, to get an email, uh, if you're a party member at nine o'clock mountain time, almost midnight, if you're in the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of drops this on you. This LEOC has made this decision. Doesn't even explain the acronym as a bit of an aside, right? That seems like a bit of a hasty email. That's a the party wanted to get it out quick to try to get ahead of things and frame things. I have so many questions. I'm sure you both do. I'm sure yeah. we'll know a lot more. And perhaps by the time people are listening to this tomorrow morning, uh, because you all listen the first thing in the morning, I'm sure. Uh, maybe there will be some answers, but uh, the the nature of the wrongdoings. The fact that there were allegations and the response was not satisfactory. So what was the level of evidence here? Um, Because it does sort of seem like the onus was then put on the Brown campaign rather than the onus being on the the accuser. Right. You know, like like I I wonder about that. I have many questions about that. There is no doubt going to be all sorts of uh, suggestions that this was done to disadvantage one candidate or another. But let's set that aside for a minute. What happens to the memberships associated with the mm. Brown campaign? Mm. Do they all remain intact? Is that, that 675,000 number going to be coming down a bit here? Um, we know there was a vote. I I just like, I don't know. I, I could build longer and longer lists here, but um, the, this is pretty shocking news to drop at such a late hour. And um, you, you can kind of feel the sweat in the party. Yeah, you, you can certainly feel I think that's right, Corey. And of course, you know, one of the classic um, leadership controversies, tactics, if I can call it, that has been criticized is the bulk membership purchases, right? So there's already speculation. Is this related yeah. to that, right? Is this related to, uh, you know, folks not paying for their memberships? If you recall earlier in the campaign, there was a uh, a, a um, call out by one of the campaigns. I forget which one in the leadership regarding credit cards and multiple memberships on singular credit cards and trying to rectify that. Is this related to that? We don't know, but we, we do know a couple of things in terms of impact card. And one of the things I think we do know, and I'm trying to debate whether to start with uh, the outcome or the process. Maybe let me start with the process question that I find fascinating. And it may not be exactly what you think. Michelle Rempel Garner yeah. leaving this campaign and the campaign manager of the Patrick Brown campaign leaving while they probably clearly knew this was going on strategic or just so happened to be the case carter in your mind now knowing a little bit more of the fact base certainly not the entire fact base talk to me about that how you feel about that how you see that let me tell you i'm generally not a conspiracy theorist i i I tend to lean towards incompetence and coincidence much more uh than the average conspiracy theorist but this does make you ask the question (laughs) right like how how does it happen that Sean and, and Michelle both leave um, two weeks, three weeks ago and then, you know, disappear into the woodwork? I mean, if they know this is coming, um, this could be 
an easy way out for them. Um, but I also have a tremendous amount of time for Sean Schnell, who is, uh, who works with, um, uh, who works a lot with Michelle and was the Patrick Brown, uh, campaign manager. Um, I do not know him to be someone who skirts the rules. So I will be very intrigued to see if this is in fact the case. And, uh, mm. not only who, you know, if this is the case, but who gets hung out to dry. Cause the other way is if you're not there, you're not there to protect yourself. Uh, so Sean and Michelle, um, you know, they, they are not there to write the history. Ah, that's, a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point, Carter. If you're not there, you're not there to protect yourself in some way either. Corey, do you want to jump in on this, on this particular process point? I'm sure there's a dozen we can tackle, but this one sticks out to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with that. They're not there to protect themselves. I think a better way to put that would be if they're not there, the, the need to sort of hang with them is much lower. I mean, um, Michelle Rempel Garner can say whatever she wants from outside the campaign. She's still mm-hmm. got a megaphone. Mm-hmm. She's still an MP. Um, one of the things I was thinking about when uh, I was reading that email from Ian Brody that said um, uh, something along the lines of the answers have not been satisfactory to date. There is kind of a, let me throw a different version of this at you. Sure. Their campaign leadership all quit. It's not actually a bit of a surprise to me if they actually could legitimately not resolve and answer basic questions of the LEOC. So, hmm. uh, well, I don't think that's actually what happened here. Uh, sorry, sorry, thing, just so I'm clear, do you mean just by the fact that like a lot of people left and now the people who were there don't like weren't there to answer the questions? Are you just talking about like the Occam's Razor well, sort of thing? Well, I, this is not. I mean, Occam's Razor is they got caught cheating. Yeah. Out, okay. Right. Fair. But what I'm saying is, imagine a scenario where that was not the case. Imagine a scenario where the LEOC reaches out and asks for a bunch of information of campaign leadership that's not there anymore. And a bunch of second stringers have to put their best guesses of the answers together and uh, and then submit them to Ian Brody, who very sharply looks at them and looks back with his, uh, you know, experience as a chief of staff and his even greater experience of being a professor at the University of Calgary and says, uh, Hey, um, none of this passes any kind of muster, and uh, and then they go down. I mean, I don't think that's what happened, but let's just say if the Brown campaign truly could not get their act together to answer questions that they may have had answers to, looking at the leadership bail and when they did will probably have to be considered part of that equation. Carter, I want to talk about outcome. There's so many process questions. We'll address all of them as this, as we get more details. <sighs> Is this a pure Polyev first ballot victory now? Like, is this just slam dunk city? Like, is pure Polyev just going to make more videos of touching wood because he can now? Yeah. Because there's nothing to lose and he's got this? <laughs> it's time for me to step in and save the country. Um, pure Polyev is going to win this on the first round. He's going to win it in a dominating fashion. <laughs> I unequivocally predict uh first ballot victory for him uh, in September. So. Um, that there it is. I've predicted it, and uh, all we can hope for is that it just uh, doesn't Carter. come true. I've told These you are the so scars many of uh, an axe, the scars of a a lumberjack, the wood of a lumberjack scars. Uh, <laughs> this wood is. I had to live through so it once. Ex- Don't make I'm me live through it twice. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, Corey, is this slam duck city for Pierre Polyev? And uh, and and let me let me get more specific. Let me get strategic. How does how does he act? How does he how is he supposed to act now? Is he is this just a simple let this process roll out, or is this guy can't help himself and will give a giant fuck you as Patrick Brown will, exits stage right? I suspect he won't be able to help himself, but what he should be doing is saying, "My goodness, how very shocking! That's the LEOC. It's not my decision to make. I don't want to yeah. get involved. I want a clean race. That's all any of us want." And it sounds like there were some, you know, not just allegations but substantiated allegations and. Um, party can't have that we don't need what the liberals have provided for the past seven years we need a conservative government that can be principled follow the rules you know pivot back to kind of the bigger fight with trudeau maybe but don't don't swing hard at these things um i suspect he won't do that i suspect he'll go hard on it but listen back it all up if the membership doesn't change yep then you know, there is obviously not Patrick Brown to vote for, so maybe you don't mark the one, so you never get the two. Sure. If, for example, you're Jean Charest. Yeah. Um, but in theory, at least the the voter universe did not change with today's news. 
And there is a universe as far where, as we know. Yeah. Well, as far as we know, that could change still further. But if it stays the same, it's not impossible to imagine a very angry Patrick Brown going on the offensive. He's obviously been attacked by scandal before. He has sort of quote unquote learned that going on the offensive works for him. I yep. think that yep. I will res- I will not go into a bit of a uh, like a tailspin on on why I think Patrick Brown is is maybe not the greatest dude in the world on some of that stuff there. But if he goes on the offensive, if he riles up the people who are going to vote for him and they just become more motivated by this and they vote against what they see as the interest for you know of of the Polyev campaign or if if there's any kind of suggestion that this is what this is all about, uh the party putting its thumb on the scale. Well, then maybe not enough. Look, I, I it's hard to say because I always thought that Pierre Polyev was in the in the poll position here. But if he wasn't, he might still not be after tonight's news. Well, Carter, this Corey Mc brings an interesting point to the to the table, which is at least how I extrapolate it. Patrick Brown's response here might be even devoid of what happened. He might he he knows what happened. He knows what the allegations are. But his response might be the same, which is to Corey's point to fight, to be loud about it. And what are you thinking he's going to do and what should he do? What should Patrick Brown do from a purely reputational perspective here? Let's say the allegations, let's you know, I don't want to make them up, but let's say they're in the neighborhood of kind of what we think triangulating financial and and membership and structure. We know that's in that ballpark. Let's say, you know, Patrick Brown also has that awareness. What do you think he's going to do and what should he do? He should launch a campaign immediately. Um, every every we, every day for the next four weeks is going to be demanding, uh, to, you know, to show the evidence against him. He will he will bring it all out, trot out what what is being alleged of him, uh, whether that's the fullness or not. These the the conservative party has made it very clear they're not going to talk to it. So Patrick Brown should talk to it. He should show everybody exactly mm. what's there. He should push out the information. He should demand mm. uh, accountability from the uh, leadership, um, the LEOC, which, uh, the Leadership Election Organizing Committee. He should demand resignations of that committee. He should point out that this ha- this obviously impacts the campaign tremendously and advantages only one candidate. Um, th- this is not the LEOC's job to 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 come in and and can, you know, marshal this type of, uh, you know, error or, or mistake or crime. This is Elections Canada's job. Um, so what the hell are they doing? Why are they even into this? Because uh, they're the ones interpreting the rules. But the Elections Canada is interpreting the rules. Look at Jason Kenney. Broke the rules all over the place. You know, he still was premier for four years or for three and a half years. You know, so why why does this need to happen? Um I'd go totally on the offensive. I would be pushing back on everything that I could possibly push back on. Because the truth of the matter is, if he sold 150,000 memberships, those are 150,000 people that aren't voting. There is very little to motivate someone to vote for someone who's not in the race. So you got to get back in the race. Or you got to get them so angry that you say, you got to vote for... This was obviously to promote Ah. Patrick uh, uh, Pierre Polyev. This is obviously yep. what this this move is about. Uh, with me out of the race, now all of a sudden, Pierre Polyev can walk to victory. Uh, that's why they did it. Here's all my evidence that shows that this is bullshit. And I'd use words like bullshit. I would jump in hard. I'd make sure that I'm getting covered in the nightly news um, for my anger as much as I am for my defense. Uh, fighterleaderwinner.ca, just so you know, that is his URL. In case anyone wants to know. Uh, Corey, <laughs> hold on. You know, you know who else is having a, 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 a conversation I, I can guarantee you this. I know nothing with more certainty in my life than there are between three to 10 people right now in the Jean Charest campaign that are having a conversation. And what they see tonight, Corey, is it a mirage or is it a real opportunity for them? How do you sense it? Let's say you, you assume the voter universe stays the same. Is this okay. real or is this a mirage for Jean Charest? It's not an opportunity. I don't think anybody in that conversation is saying this is an opportunity. I think if anything, the conversation's more, oh, fuck. Well, there goes a narrow path to victory here because um, to to Carter's point, it makes the people who were going to vote for Brown less likely to vote for Brown. It means there'll be no to Brown get yep. out the vote, right? Unless they decided to continue that in some way, shape or form and, and drive it towards Sheree. And also, you don't want to be in the Sheree camp and, and go hard yourself 
after the party because you don't know the facts. And if something is just dropped and it's irrefutable, you could look pretty foolish at that point too. And and looking foolish is not your brand or it's not supposed to be your brand if you're the if you're the seasoned experienced John Charest. Carter, the so, seasoned experienced John Charest, what is he thinking about, Carter? What do you think? Finding dirt on Pierre Polyev. You know, I mean the fact that they're keeping Pierre. So you agree Pol- with Corey, there's no opportunity in this. No, you gotta go after Pierre. It's all about Pierre, 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 Pierre. I mean, the the fact that they're keeping Pierre Polyev after all the outlandish and crazy things that he's said and tossing Brown um, might be one way of going after it. Um, you know, what are the rules? I'm sure there's a rule in there that says you cannot uh, you know, embarrass the party. That is one of the primary rules that usually is brought forward in a leadership committee. Um, mm. I would be, if I was John Charest saying, here's the rule, here's the embarrassing element. Here's the rule. Here's where, you know, um, Pierre Polyev has broken it and just keep pushing on that because um, now that they've eliminated one candidate, basically Charest's only chance for victory is that they eliminate another. Hmm. We're going to leave that there. That, of course, brought to us by our sponsor, Flair Airlines. Flair Airlines, come down to our our level. Um, No, I'm kidding, Corey. It's not brought to us by Flair Airlines. Why would it be? They're not our sponsor. But do you know who is? Uh, The Patrick Brown Calgary Stampede Barbecue Meet and Greet. Uh, That was the sponsor (laughs) of that segment. That, of course, is happening Saturday, July 9th uh, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. This is at the Don Hartman Northeast uh, Sportsplex. Now, this is literally three blocks away from where my parents live. Um, RSVP by July 8th. So you, um, you, you have some time, folks. If you do want to meet Patrick Brown, uh, he will be at his Patrick Brown Calgary Stampede and Barbecue Meet and Greet um, at the Don Hartman uh, Northeast Sportsplex. Uh, I think he may need a stand-in by the time he gets there, but worry not, Carter. You guys all look the same to us. It doesn't matter. Carter, yeah. do you want to be Patrick Brown for a day? I think Corey should do it. Corey looks more like Patrick Brown. Uh, I look more like Sheree if Corey, I put a wig I, on. So that's what my goal is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's excellent. I, I look forward to that meeting Great. and that greeting. Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, Corey, it's the strategy scale. We are here. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. The Patrick Brown stuff was uh, not regularly scheduled programming, but I do want to talk about some things that, that emerged in the week with our strategy scale. Here's how it works. You give me between a 1 to 10 on how well this strategy either performed, if you would rate it, if you... Uh, would use it, and you tell me why you gave it that score, what would could make it better. Corey, I'm going to start with you because uh, I feel like Carter talked a lot that last segment. Uh, that's just his thing. He talks a lot. Uh, Corey, <laughs> former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall gave strategic advice to key convoy organizer. The former Premier was in contact with the key organizer of the Freedom Convoy anti-mandate protest, providing strategic advice through text messages, phone calls. Quote, your group will likely be provoked by counter-protesters and is important that they don't take the bait, he said in a text message. Also, it's really important that any of those who are trying to hitch their wagon to the convoy with ulterior motives uh, and off messages, especially the racist stuff, be openly and roundly condemned. He gave advice to how to position, how to declare victory, what ideal headlines would be uh, in the in the newspaper, so to speak. Corey, on a st- strategy scale, one to 10, one being Brad Wall is fucked from future political office, period. 10 being this is actually great for Brad Wall. Where do you rate this? I would put it at an eight, and I'll tell you why. Um, oh, this, you, you do yeah. understand the scale. One means Brad Wall is fucked from future political office. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Lay it first on of us. all, do we does do you see any evidence, Zane Velji, that association with these people is disqualifying in today's conservative circles? Do do you? What? I just I'm just here to ask the questions. Okay. You know, I, I'm just well, here to ask the questions. I know you're looking for, for someone to shadow box with. That's what Carter's today. here for. Okay? It isn't today. <laughs> is this... It isn't today, but it should be, and it will be in the future. I'm not done. See, this is this and, is Carter's point is interesting. The, the reason historical... why doesn't matter. You're all wrong. And the reason why I think that it actually uh leads pretty highly the other way is because it's good advice. Yeah, like the one thing that I was really struck by when I read Brad Wall's text is his advice is solid the entire way through. But at least the text messages I saw. Yeah, you should roundly condemn the racists. Yeah, you will try to be provoked. Yeah, you should have just declared victory and left when you had the opportunity. On the provincial mandate. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, that advice to declare victory and leave is the exact advice we gave on this podcast. So I, I, I don't think I could say otherwise. No, and, and it's the exact same advice I repeated after I heard it on this podcast on the CBC course. So, I mean, it's it's found a couple of homes, <laughs> which I assume is where he got it from. Obviously. Carter, I said conspiracy. Corey, I'll let you keep going. 
<laughs> well, and so it's good advice. And while we might find the individual he's talking to and the cause he's associating with onerous, it, it doesn't seem to be disqualifying. And if you disqualify people based on their interactions with the convoy, you're going to be disqualifying the majority of the current conservative caucus. So yeah, maybe in the future things change. Maybe the pendulum shifts. They will find a way to scrub this all. And by the way, Brad Wall will be at the front of that list because he'll be able to point to evidence he told them to condemn the racists. He'll point mm. to evidence he told them to go home. Carter, Corey gives it an eight. Has he persuaded you? It seems like you're not there. You might be there yourself. No, but has I don't he like persuaded Brad you Wall. from what I assume is a lower? I don't okay, like well, Brad maybe Wall. put that aside. He's a dick. Put that aside. Um, and on okay. top of that, he, uh, I think it's a, you know, when you're reaching out to advise the, the, uh, the, the convoy, you're, you know, I mean, I think that it should be disqualifying for Pierre Polyev. I think it should be disqualifying for Barber. Uh, that they are courting this group. I think it should be disqualifying for Candace Bergen. Um, all of these people uh, should be, you know, they, they, this convoy was advocating to have the the, the prime minister uh, essentially lynched. Oh, it's only the bad elements. Um, uh, you know what? They took over Ottawa. They took over Ottawa. They embraced the bad elements. They decided that the racism was okay. They decided that the violence was okay. They decided that they wanted to go back. They're back there again this weekend. This should be disqualifying. And you don't reach out to someone and offer good advice to bad people. Uh, we're doing it on a podcast. It's a little different than texting the organizers and saying, hey, you know what? Here's what I think you really should do. Um, this is a bad move by a bad person. And uh, that's just uh, not going to change my opinion about Brad Wall. That's for damn sure. And what does that what what does that equate to numerically, Carter? This is the strategy scale <laughs> it's an F. on the scale part of the strategy scale. It's what is it? An F. Okay, you, Carter. That makes <laughs> sense okay. to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, you know what? That, I got, I got that. That actually translates. Stephen yeah. Carter, six hundred and seventy-five thousand. That seems like the number for the Conservative Party of Canada. Their yeah. membership list, of course, tonight's Debacle? message to members. Yeah. Tonight's activity could could change that number, but six seventy-five thousand. From the perspective of the liberals, how fucked are they on that scale to one to ten, Carter? One being, this is not a big deal at all. Ten being hyper fuckery. This is actually not great news. One could easily be justified as, this is party membership. Okay, they're motivated. That doesn't actually mean anything. Ten could be, listen, um, this while is I'm talking, we Corey's actually gonna, need to look at this seriously. While I'm talking, Corey's going to Google how many memberships were available in the, uh, in the uh, 2012 or 13 race for Justin Trudeau. But this is this is worrying. This is um, this is a big number. I mean, I don't remember exactly how many people voted for the Conservative Party, but I think it's somewhere around five or six million people. If you're able to turn that into, you know, you basically ten uh, percent of your membership, ten percent of your vote is now your membership. That is a big, big base to build from. Um, now they just threw away one hundred and fifty thousand, but even then, I believe this is is one of the largest memberships for a leadership ever um by almost two times uh cory will correct me of course if i'm wrong here in just a few moments but uh this is a this is a big number and i think that it is, it should be scary because at the end of the day a large portion of those memberships were sold by pierre polyev's team and he is showing momentum and i think that what's happening is that the liberals are convincing themselves that pierre is the opportunity for them to to win that elusive fourth election for justin trudeau no one wins four. Justin, listen to the podcast. No one wins four. This is uh, this is going to be over pretty quick, and I think it's a, it's a real signal that people are ready for change, even if it's the lunacy that Pierre Polyev represents. Corey, six hundred seventy-five thousand for the Liberals. One to ten on that strategy scale. One being not a big deal. Ten being like off. We're fucked. I would say it's a six. Um, a couple of things I, I think that need to be discussed here. And so in 2013, the Liberals sold 300,000 memberships, or sorry, they registered 300,000 supporters, 130,000 then registered to vote. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a mm -hmm. poll tax there. So that would be kind of, in some ways, the equivalent. And then about 100,000 voted, and Trudeau won over 80%, I believe. And so the, um, you know, the numbers are different, right? Like, let's use the biggest version of that number, the 300,000. Well, that 300,000 is less than half of the number at hand here. Um, and so that's true. But if if you kind of run back the clock 
further and you look at the trajectory, you can see that parties are getting more and more efficient at dragging people into the doors here, at least for these instant leadership contests. And uh, and so I, I don't think that you say, oh, clearly they're twice as popular as the Trudeau liberals were in 2013. Uh, but even if that were the case, I'd remind you the Trudeau liberals were the third party at the time. They were not. They were not the official opposition who had actually won the popular vote uh, in the election just before. So it's so a bit of a different context there. But they should still be worried. And they should still be worried because the party, the Conservative Party is showing an ability to organize. The Conservative Party is showing an ability to galvanize. And that does tend to be a precursor to election losses if you're a governing party. And again, mm. I, I go back to this a lot, but it will not take a lot for the Conservatives to win the next election. They won the popular vote in the last two elections. The Liberals ran very efficient campaigns. But the thing about official ca- efficient campaigns is they're great until they're not. And then your vote collapses and you lose a shit ton of seats. And that's the risk for the Liberals right now. They could. I, I do generally what, agree with Carter. They could they could be returned to party th- to third party status uh, very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I the math, as you guys have said, does play out. And the efficient vote, as Corey, you've mentioned, we've talked about this many times, like the fine line, right? Like efficient right. can look like the 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 most strategic, uh, sound, resource, like uh, smart way to play a campaign. Or, or it, it could look, look like, like the, dumb, the dumbest thing you've ever done. Exactly. Because you win nothing and you lose a lot of races yeah. by a bit. Carter, I'm going to uh, actually, Corey, I'm going to stick with you for our next one. And let's go back to Brad Wall. Rebecca Schultz, a uh, Schultz, Schultz. How do I Schultz. say her name? Schultz. Schultz. No T. There's no T. Uh, okay. Fine. I'll add a T if I want. Yeah, you can do whatever uh, you want. To. Don't let him I can do whatever I want. Around. Yeah. I don't want to let, I don't want to let anyone push me around. Yeah. You stand strong. Corey. Uh, Rebecca Schultz without the T. Uh, she is bringing Brad Wall into her race. Now, of course, she was a former staffer for Brad Wall. Uh, she's, she did this minute long video with, with him kind of asking her questions, how it's going, giving a loose endorsement. I wouldn't say it was full throated. It's kind of like, listen, of all the people, this is the person that I like, you know, how's it going? What's up with your race? You know, chilling at what seemed like a rodeo. Corey, the strategy for Schultz, one to 10, what do you think? Good. One is like negligible, even, even counterproductive 10 being like masterstroke. This makes good sense. For you, the Rebecca Schultz strategy of bringing Brad Wall, arguably, I think it was on the same day that his little mini controversy, which you, by the way, gave a high score to, erupted into the Alberta UCP race. I'm going to give it a three, right? I've a got three. many, many questions about judgment here. One, okay, why, why is a former premier of another province doing this? Why are they getting involved in Alberta's campaigns like this? I understand Brad Wall uh, is just basically a Calgarian now, but it still seems like a, a bit of a breach of protocol. Two, why is Schultz doing this? Because it does just remind me that she's lived in Alberta for about 30 seconds, you know? Yeah, uh, good point. I, you know, I, I think seven years, something to that effect. Not not very long at all. When she became an MLA, it was a bit shocking how quickly she went from uh, Alberta citizen, so to speak, to to MLA, right? And so I don't know if you want to be reminding people of those deep connections you have and that you've only been in this province uh, less than the, you know, less than my two, my kid in grade two has been in this province. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so that, that is curious to me. Uh, but if I want to give it a couple of points, nudging it back up here, well, actually, we can't put aside the fact that they, they plowed forward with this the day that those texts came out. Yeah. They should yeah. have had the sense both. Again, both Brad Wall and Schultz's campaign to say, let's just do this another day. Now is not the day. Uh, it didn't make sense to do it when they did. And if, if Brad Wall was insisting on it, that's crazy. If the Schultz campaign was afraid to ask because they thought it made it look like it was questionable, that's cowardice and crazy too. But if we want to kick it back up the other way a couple of points, this is not a campaign that I think has kind of, it's an interesting one. To me, it's the same type of people who supported Jeff Davison to be mayor of Calgary, who would be, you know, interested in the Schultz campaign. There's not, you know, there's more cocktail crowd than organizer crowd would be my dime mm. store analysis of it. And uh, Brett Wall endorsing is actually very in line with that analysis and assessment. Like, oh, you know, who is very interesting and who could perhaps anyways. That's 
they they uh, but they see it as a way to provide credibility to a campaign that right now is lost in a sea of many campaigns. That's good. I, I, that's an interesting comparison, Corey. You know what? The other similarity that they both have is that they're both missing a letter in their last name. Uh, it should be true. Davidson. <laughs> it should be Davidson. <laughs> what the fuck are these people doing, Carter? They're just broken. Uh, they're broken you know. human beings. Yeah, I know. Well, their <laughs> names are. Yeah, their names are their names are Carter um, letters have disowned them. Why? Sh- why should anyone? Uh, OK, that's good. I'm, I'm running the campaign against You're these so people. Good. Uh, Carter, the, stra- <laughs> the strategy wall coming in, endorsing Rebecca Schultz uh, one to ten. I think I did. It. I think I actually nailed zero the landing. Uh, <laughs> really? Let me tell zero? you why. Flat out. OK, put your hatred for Brad Wall aside for a second. Because. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need it polluting there are the two show, things, okay? There are two things I don't do in campaigns right now. Two things Why? that are what super are important that everybody else seems to think are super important. And I don't do them. What are- One is endorsements. Endorsements is a general rule are stupid. And because you're supposed to be the person who's the leader. Why do you need other leaders to endorse you? The second thing that I think is stupid are slogans. And Brad Wall is just a walking slogan. That's all he has going for him is that he's Brad Wall. I'm Brad Wall. That's all he has. So he's, his, his weakness, his inability, every other premier would know, don't get involved in, a, in another province's race. Every other former premier would know, don't get in the, involved in the races that happen after you. This is a guy who should be st- standing down and standing on the sidelines, but he just can't help himself. He's found himself back into the stories and back into the ability. You know, it, it, it's a bad day to do an endorsement. It's a bad endorsement. This is the problem with endorsements. Endorsement happens and all of a sudden you find out that you're getting endorsed by a guy who's working with the with the convoy organizer. Uh, despite the fact that Corey seemed to think that that was OK, that's not OK for a large number of voters. So th- they've just made themselves worse off by taking someone's endorsement who's not actually going to be able to move many votes because it is the cocktail crowd. They can all have a cocktail together and talk about how great Brad was. If he could only speak French, he'd have been the prime minister, but he can't. So he won't. And he's never going to be the prime minister. He's never going to be anything again. And now he's dragging you down to the bottom of the bottom of the ocean with him. Did I make myself like someone liked Brad Wall? (laughs) Seems like someone liked Brad Wall for a bit, saw a bunch of promise in him, and then things went south. Well, he tried to have me fired from my job. So, you know, it it, it does. Okay, well, it does make me a little bit bitter. I mean, did, try I not, I, implies a certain incompetence he did not bring to that particular exercise. Well, I wound up having to resign and taking all that money that they gave me and then, you know, starting my own company and making tons of money again. Very hard. It was a t- trying time. Trying time. Okay, well, I yeah. didn't know any of that. So Thank you for breaking. Can we get, can we, can we, can, can we get back to the... Firefighters, uh, Edger Wife, please. Can we get back to a more comfortable oh, topic sorry. of conversation? <laughs> I yeah, did note, you. for those uh, watching on the video, you will have just seen Corey take a look at the time code. You'll have just seen that. <laughs> yeah. We don't edit the show until we edit the show. Uh, <laughs> Carter, I'm going to stick with you for, for our next one. Uh, we, we try to avoid American politics. We, we absolutely do. Yeah. But there's a strategy question here in the U.S. It's not about January. Well, it's related to January 6th. It's a big one. And I want to get your take on it. Donald Trump is thinking about announcing a historically early run to, for president so he can get out in front of the allegations made in the testimony of the 1-6 committees, uh, which are ongoing. Uh, the strategy, Carter, in your mind, and which would, of course, just, just extend the point, make it harder for Merrick Garland and the Justice Department perhaps to go after a candidate for president rather than a sitting citizen slash former president. But Carter, the strategy for Trump to go early uh, on a scale of one to 10, the, the one is this is terrible. The 10 is this is a masterstroke. Trump should do it tomorrow if he can. What are you thinking on this? You know, from his standpoint, it's a it's a brilliant strategy. I mean, imagine. I mean, it's going to be hard enough to take a former president away in handcuffs. Imagine how hard it would be to mm-hmm. take uh, a former president that is running to be the president again away in handcuffs. Um, that has the power of you know the speeches, that has the rallies, that has all of that. I mean, can you can you imagine if he called for his supporters to blockade? You know, if the FBI showed up at Trump Tower one day. 
and he sends out a, a well he can't tweet but he sends out some sort of a message um demanding that his supporters surround Trump Tower and not let the FBI exit the FBI aren't exiting that building um he has a tremendous amount of power uh, and by becoming a candidate again he's just made that bigger um so i'm i am you know i i i think it's a terrible thing but at the same time it's it's pretty smart for him to to have done it Corey, talk to me about this trump announcing early on the strategy scale one to ten what are you giving it for trump a three um Ooh. i i think it's a very bad idea for him uh for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's not going to work. Like it's not going to shield him from consequences. It's so early and so far out. And he himself has shown that such norms can be just shattered and nobody is going to make the decision to arrest him or not based on his gambit here, because we've seen him try this before. And then we saw January 6th. We, you know, he, the, the stakes are too high and people realize that now. And so it won't get him what he wants, and it will make it less likely that he actually becomes president in 2024. Here's why. One, it hurts his fundraising. The minute he announces, he is subject to a limit for the entire campaign cycle. And that's usually a you know a limit that's for, I don't know, 10 months. Truncated period of time, or significantly yeah. more truncated than what he'd now, be having here. Correct. Now we are talking two and a half years. And that, and you can't go back to those donors again in that two and a half year period for that presidential campaign. And uh, the other reason is he will become the sideshow that blows up. It is not impossible for me that the GOP does not manage to win either the House or Senate because Donald Trump moves the focus from an economy that's really faltering and inflation, which while a global problem, every local leader is having to deal with. Moves the focus off that, moves the focus onto this guy who was just being crushed in these, uh, you know, January 6th, uh, you know, committee hearings, which is, again, my opinion on the committee hearings hasn't changed. It's not going to fundamentally remake America. You're not going to have mm. Republicans all of a sudden see the light. But the swing voters, if they're voting on Donald Trump rather than voting on local Republican candidate who promises to combat inflation, that's going to hurt the GOP. So uh, if he manages to enter into the race, not get himself that protection, blow up his ability to fundraise, which the party will know and the party grandees will know, and screw them in November, he will be a very weakened individual. And that's when the DeSantis's of the world stand up and say, this guy screwed himself, screwed our party, and might just be screwed legally. We can't go with him. So I don't see the logic of it at this point for him at all. Carter, any any retort to that from what Corey said? I'm curious to hear it because you, you you thought this was a pretty sharp strategy for Trump. Of course, Corey's outlining some of the, the pitfalls in it. I mean, this is not a guy who's suffered from any problems with fundraising in the past. He's got an enormous pack that he can run with. I mean, there are rules and there are rules. And then there's how Trump uses the rules. He is able to get around these things by doing by ignoring some of the rules and the norms of, of the American electoral system. Are we shocked by this? No, because he's ignored all the rules and all the norms to this point. My thinking is that this is a, uh, a good move for him because he gets to, he gets to be in the limelight when they try and arrest him. If he's sitting in his, you know, cause they're, they're going to arrest. That was going to happen him. either way. That was going to happen either, this, either way, no, Stephen. And we it's, thought that was going to happen they, to you in the first five minutes of the show until you told us it was a firefighter. <laughs> they will probably send a news team to watch Donald Trump get arrested. Don't know if he needs to be candidate for that. There'll be one or two, but the difference is his ability to to, uh, <laughs> to draw the the supporters. The supporters are going to be rapidly there. It's going to be crazy. It's Copter One. Copter One on, on, the, on live on location. It's going to be like a car chase, Carter. They're just going to be like on top of the gonna follow him wherever he is in yeah, mar-a-lago we, we should do a live he's show gonna find him he's gonna be stroking some stroking if some he's wood not driving a ford side, bronco down, down the la freeways i don't even <laughs> yo the fact the fact that the bronco is back and looks sick it does look is sick. an entirely different podcast looks it great. does look really good yeah uh, while we're on different topics carter is kd going to toronto uh kd should be in toronto he should have been drafted into toronto and it's been a real shame that he uh wasn't able to realize his lifelong dream by landing in toronto Fucking nailed it! You nailed it. It's so good, Corey. <laughs> that, I can't. I can't. I'm not even. 
You I had no notes. <laughs> no notes. No notes, Carter. Nicely done. Well landed. He has been a lifelong Raptors fan. Air Canada. Which, by the way, Flair Airlines need to, needs a player that they just has a nickname. Anyways, Corey, I'm going to stick with you for this next one. We're talking about Trudeau and his government strategy. Melanie Jolie is going to attend the G20 despite Russia's presence. She's saying, I'm not going to shake the Russian counterpart's hand at the G20, but she's still attending despite Russia showing up to the G20 conference. On the strategy scale of 1 to 10 uh, for, for the Trudeau government, 1 being the obviously this is a terrible strategy, 10 being this is great. What do you think this is? I think it's a 4. I ultimately don't think it will have much domestic consequence because mm. these things don't. But um, ultimately, it strengthens Russia or weakens the, the wall of Western resolve, uh, which was falling apart anyhow, shamefully. And so uh, I don't feel good about it, but it's not going to hurt them politically. I don't believe it will. Carter, what do you think? Uh, Canada, 1 to 10, sending, sending Melanie Jolie to the G20 despite Russia's presence. I think you have to do diplomacy. I think you have to do diplomacy, and you can't just walk away from the other, nine, you know, other 18 countries just because um, Russia's there. I think that ignoring Russia is the right thing to do, but they shouldn't be invited, but they are. And... Uh, Ignoring is fine. Carter, we do this for the listeners who uh, who listen live. And of course, I'm not on the YouTube stream, but I am getting a text question, which I feel like is very apt to take right now, which is what's older, you or the stereo deck behind you? Um, we need a giant expose on this. Uh, lay it on us. What, what's older? From my first marriage. <laughs> I wish I was joking. That <laughs> comes from my first marriage. I don't know what to say about yeah, you okay. ever. Yeah. He's just too honest all the time. Well, listener, you got your answer. Yeah. Um, Carter, I'm going to stick with you for our, our next one on the strategy scale. This one's interesting to me. Yeah. We're going to go across the pond, as they say. Yeah. To jolly old England. Yeah. Uh, where we have two cabinet members. Yeah. Three overall, but two cabinet members in Boris Johnson's government, the health secretary and the treasury chief, uh, Sajid Javid and, and Rishi Sunak, resigning within minutes of each other. From his government, from the Johnson government, putting out letters on Twitter, uh, apparently not coordinated, uh, which, uh, of <laughs> course, sure. uh, England finds hard to believe that sure. two brown guys didn't coordinate, um, which, by the way, if you don't want to know if colonialism is still alive, uh, that is a good answer. If, if white people think that brown people will just be like, oh, yeah, they must know each other. They must have coordinated this, despite the fact that they say they did not. Carter, the strategy scale here for these two, we've, we've heard that these individuals have had ambitions to become prime minister themselves, to be leaders of the Conservative Party, especially with the Treasury Chief uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, highly touted as being an, a rising star in the Conservative ranks in the UK. Most of our listeners may not even know about this, this situation, but I want to get in deeper into how you resign. Carter, what do you think of this between a scale of 1 to 10 on the strategy scale? They're, they're back-to-back non-coordinated resignation letters. I mean, I think it's going to have a real impact on on the prime minister. I mean, he took no time in replacing uh, the chancellor of the exchequer, at least. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it's still a blow to, to lose two of your top five cabinet ministers is a big hit. And there's tremendous, tremendous pushback on, on the prime minister already. Let's keep in mind that he barely survived uh, his last leadership vote and um you know, the, I think the clock was ticking in any case. So now for him to see that the clock is ticking and he's losing uh, members, it really does beg the question if he's going to be able to uh, survive um, the summer. And no, Corey, we're not looking for a pedantic explanation of what begged the question here and how to use I it. Was... Yeah. So if you could just. You could see it in his eyes. Yeah, you could you see can it just in his skip eyes. Skip over that. We'll move on to. It's uh, the look. Of yeah. a highly educated, uneducated person who really wants yeah. to lecture someone at 1149 Eastern. Uh, Corey, I'll let you have the floor. Please go ahead. Yeah, the, the two letters were very tonally different. Um, they were. One of one of them was much longer and was bragging about Javid's accomplishments, right? Uh, yeah. I, I was such a balls-to-the-wall, kick-ass health minister. I wanted to do this job for everybody, but I can't because you suck. Boris was basically the, yeah, yeah yeah was the theme and then uh the one from sunak was uh much more like i just wish we could work this out but we can't it, it's not an it's not you it's me but it's much closer to that yeah so, yeah yeah so very tonally different and 
Um, it did seem to actually have a, a clearer trigger, which was the economic update to the United Kingdom. Yep. Um, so I guess here's the thing. I don't know if it was coordinated or not. I think there are degrees of coordination. It could be, I've fucking had it with Boris. Yeah, me too. Both go back to their offices and make the same decision that they've riled each other up for. Could be there was an event within the, the caucus or the cabinet meeting that triggered them both to come to the conclusion this guy's fucking done. Could be maybe a third party's whispering in both their ears about how bad Boris Johnson was today on an entirely different matter, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't need to believe in conspiracy to believe that the two events are connected. I guess of course. the point that I would make. And you don't need to believe that they were coordinating to believe the two events were connected. There's obviously a very clear connection here. It's a deeply unpopular prime minister. Um, what I find very interesting, however, is that um, they have, of course, I don't think we talked about it, but they have this committee that allows them to call a vote of non-confidence in their prime minister. And once that vote fails, they're not allowed to do that vote for another year. They just had that vote. So there's not a formal mechanism for the caucus to oust Boris Johnson now. I think in any normal context, losing both your minister of health and your finance minister, that's that's it. That's game mm-hmm. over. Like mm-hmm. You just resign. But if Boris Johnson's not willing to go, there's no way to make him at this point. You know, unless they want to pull the old like Simpson Stonecutters thing where they all go start the ancient society of no Borises, right, as a whole new political party. But that, I mean, it's his party. So be curious to see what happens next, but definitely feels like the temperature is as high as it can be. Well, it's a curious and interesting day for definitely for Browns and politics, Carter. Um, <laughs> what? That's the same joke four times in one episode. Why would I do that's that? Good. Yeah. It's because good. you don't pay me enough, Patreon. The fourth time. Um, Carter. Time. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, Carter, is there a right way to resign in politics regardless? Of, is there like a situation agnostic right way to resign? I've always I, been curious about this because Corey described two different letters by two different individuals who probably have two different goals. So one could say easily contextually, their goals are different. One clearly wants to be the fucking prime minister, like you could tell. And, and everything, you know, leading up to how he's built his coalition, to how he's communicated, to what he's even said indicates as such another's probably been like listen it's probably the best gig i'll ever have and 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 i might not get it again so i'm fine with that so i'm gonna make it a celebration about me but carter situation agnostic is our best way and best practice of how to resign in politics i've never had the chance zane um (laughs) (laughs) no there is a best way that's that's what you call a three-minute setup question for a stephen carter five foot six spike or a two-foot net Nicely that's, done. That's that under six foot dunking contest. Yeah, oh my god! But Flair Carter, you would do amazing. We'll put we'll put an eight foot net out there with a trampoline. You'll still you'll still probably be a couple <laughs> foot short. What's with the height bias? Okay, here's what we're gonna do. There are two good ways to resign. One is to be no impact at all and just disappear, and the other is to have impact beyond the resignation itself, right? And I think that these two were an example of trying to have impact beyond the. The, the simple resignation. Um, there are others who just resign and just disappear. Like Mark Garneau left the cabinet, left politics, left everything and just kind of disappeared. No one knows where he is anymore. He's just gone. Um, so we see these examples. He went to space. I'm pretty sure he's in space right now. I think you're incorrect, but we'll just go with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But he, you know. Him and Julie Payette are just hanging out yeah, exactly. together. What That's happened to the former astronauts in the last 18 months? But the point is that these two people wanted to have impact beyond just resigning. And they did that, whether it was coordinated or not, whether it was uh, planned to go with a fiscal update or not, whether it was it was designed to hurt. And it did. And that is mm. um, that's what they did. Now, those two ways, I don't think there's one better than the other. I think that they're both used for political purposes. And this was used for a political purpose. Will it work out? Only time will tell. But um, it certainly wasn't done just to get out of government, just to go home and not be someone who's not involved in government anymore. Round us out on this, Corey. Is there a best practice, situation agnostic way to resign that, that you would recommend to someone if you were advising them? I know. I think it's so very context dependent, your context, yeah. the organization's context, all of that. And a resignation that would be statesperson-like in one sitting would be clownish in another. And it really just depends on what's going on around you and what you want to get out of it here. 
So if your goal is to have a next act, you want to set up the next act. If your goal is not, it's to set up your legacy, just to mm-hmm. sort of grossly simplify. Normally, uh, you, you're you thinking about whether that legacy includes, for example, if your brand is standing up and always saying the unpopular thing, that will lead to one kind of resignation. And if your brand is being the consummate team player or another still. So you've got to know yourself, you've got to know your party, and you've got to know generally, uh, you know, the environment that you're within to know the best way to resign. We're going to leave that segment there. Moving on to our final segment, Carter. It's our over under. It's our lightning round. Stephen Carter, after tonight, the news of Patrick Brown, is the health of the Conservative Party of Canada better or worse in your mind? Well, I think it's the announcement today. Yeah, I think it's worse because I've been on Team Sheree Brown from the beginning. Um, and this hurts Team Sheree Brown. So this gives Pierre probably have a stronger chance of winning. And uh, therefore, it is worse for the party, worse for the country. Corey, zoom out. Health of the Conservative Party, better or worse, right? That probably means a coronation or close to it. First ballot victory for Pierre Polyevre. Is this helpful for the health of the Conservative movement? We've also talked about the 675,000 memberships. Better or worse after tonight? I don't know enough to say with certainty, but let me paint Mm. you a picture of how it's much worse. Right. Sure. Uh, and not in the same way that Stephen's talking about. I mean, in the sense of like the party potentially winning or not. Yeah. Maybe uh, Pierre Polyev uh, was always going to win. And now he's going to win with an asterisk because maybe the party is going to disqualify a number of votes. Maybe the fact the candidate's gone is going to cause a problem. And maybe when it's all said and done, that first ballot victory is 55 45, but we know 100 and 80,000 people didn't vote and maybe they were never going to vote, but now you can say it's because of foul play. If Patrick Brown had been in the race, maybe they'd vote for them. We'll start doing that thing where we assign vote intent to people who didn't vote and assuming it's different than the people who were there. The other thing is this is not necessarily the end of it just because Ian Brody says it's the end of it. Uh, there could be calls for, for court challenges, judicial review of these things. Mm. The leadership rules always say not appealable. Guess what? People always try to appeal these kinds of things anyhow and push them forward. Could be in the courts, could be a cloud that hangs over everybody in discovery. You could maybe find, I'm not, I don't believe this happened. I just want to stress this. I'm I'm not throwing this out there in a conspiracy theory sense, but say there was friendly text back and forth between Ian Brody and Pierre Polyev, and that showed up during discovery. And maybe it didn't mean anything besides Ian Brody's being a nice person to a person he knows, Right. But it starts to call into question, is the LEOC actually neutral? Did Pierre Polyev have this, uh, you know, uh, locked up? I don't think if I was the Polyev campaign, I'd be very excited about this. Because I Mm. do think it creates a lot of potential for additional tensions in a party that I am going to be having to deal with. uh, Because I am probably going to win if I'm Pierre Polyev. So, yeah, that's, that's my answer. I think it could actually weaken the party. It also makes it more likely that if there's an outright splintering where people say, you don't want us in the party. This is bullshit. This was guilty until proven innocent. You didn't actually allow due process to go out. You just decided you didn't like our apparently insufficient answers to your accusations without evidence. Uh, well, it, you know what? We're not having it anymore. This is too corrupt. We're going to go start the the Patrick Brown party or, or whatever it is and siphon off a couple of other votes. All possible. Corey, um, Pope Francis is coming to Canada. The political win for Justin Trudeau as it relates to the Pope's visit here. Of course, as you remember, one of the the items around the truth and reconciliation, um, I should say promise that Trudeau has made is, is the official apology by the Pope. Is this contextual? Is it not overrated, underrated, the political win of the Pope touching base in Canada over the course of the summer or the course of this month, as it seems like? Well, I guess it's... Probably, <laughs> I don't know. I think overrated because I, at the end of the day, I don't think that the Pope's involvement in things changes too much. There's a celebrity factor to be sure. Um, I also think that it's a pretty fraught situation and it will be hard to meet expectations going forward. And this isn't like a normal papal visit where you just sort of wave your hand from the Pope mobile. There's serious mm-hmm. reckoning that needs to be done with the Catholic Church. And, um, and so I think there's certain risk for the government as well. Lots could go wrong. Um, maybe it all sort of stays on the rails and it just becomes a big celebrity moment where you can't turn on the television without seeing 
the Pope without seeing Trudeau, I guess. It's not like he's going to be the Pope the whole time. No, but no. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that this is going to be like a massive win. I, I think it, I think there's a bunch of things that make that unlikely. Carter, is this going to be a massive win, overrated or underrated, as the Pope touches uh, Canadian soil later this month? This is a choreographed visit with a choreographed outcome and a choreographed process. Everything that's going to happen in here, I mean, right down to the paving of the, the you know, the roads on the Masquatrice Reserve is planned. The, the, the Trudeau government knows exactly what's going to happen. And therefore, I would expect that they would be able to turn it into a massive win. If they don't, then they are the worst communicators in the history of mankind. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, the challenge is such a tightly scripted event when somebody breaks the script can can actually be worse, right? If all of a sudden it's being faced with protesters in ways that they can't handle or in ways they can, but their handling of the protesters all of a sudden become an issue in their own right. I think there's a lot of challenges mm. there. Carter, I'm going to stick with you for our next one. Uh, you're whispering into Patrick Brown's ear. Uh, this uh, this fine Wednesday morning, as I sit here in Toronto, as the clock just strikes midnight, Carter, what sacrifices I make for the pod? You're you're telling this to Patrick Brown, sweet nothings at midnight Eastern. What are you telling him this evening? What are you telling Patrick Brown um, about his upcoming barbecue on July 9th at the Don Hartman Sports Background? No, Carter. What are you telling him about his leadership? What are you telling me should do? Don't cancel anything. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to oh. do a stand-up press release or press conference with every single member of the press. It's coming out right now that there is a um, uh, uh, that the reason that they're they're suggesting this is that staff and employees' salaries appear to be being paid by corporations. That's a pretty big oh. allegation to make and very difficult to prove. You better have ironclad proof uh, of that. Otherwise, you know, like if if that's the sole allegation. Uh, Patrick Brown can stand up and, and scream all day long. There's lots of people who have day jobs with corporations who volunteer uh, with campaigns outside of their working hours. Uh, they better have ironclad proof or this thing's heading to court. And if I was Patrick Brown, I'd be standing up there and demanding injunctions from the court. I'd be demanding resignations from LEOC. I'd be pushing, pushing, pushing. That's my advice. But, at, mo uh, but more importantly, you're saying not cancel anything. Keep going. Keep going. Hour you're still in the fucking attend, campaign. Attend stampede? Yeah, attend of stampede? course. I didn't do anything wrong. Boom. If this is all you got, if this is if this is the allegation, fuck you. Corey, what are you whispering into Patrick Brown's ear this evening? Yeah, if Raj Sherman can launch, Patrick Brown can land. He can come oh, to town. Keep doing good. all of those things. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, look, that, that breaking news that it's perhaps about corporations paying salaries, in a way, I think that's so much less than I expected. Obviously, that would be pretty serious if it was a big circumvention of campaign uh, uh, finance through that. Uh, but it's difficult to prove, to Carter's point, and it's difficult to prove intent. So this corporation pays somebody's salary and they go work on the Brown campaign. Do you... How are you going to prove that the Brown campaign knew that and orchestrated that mm. and was behind that? And it wasn't the corporation violating the, the campaign right. laws. Now you can, obviously there are ways, but it does create a higher hurdle. And so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. And if that's what there is out there, then yeah, I think Patrick Brown will keep fighting. And, um, and everything I said about the risks to the conservative party, I'll just, I'll take a highlighter out and I'll, double over because that's really possible Corey. i'm gonna this final question i'm gonna start with you um as it relates to and we're only probably about 10 to 15 episodes away as it relates to episode 1000 of the strategy point <laughs> overrated or 15. underrated probably 10 to 15 like 10 to, 10 to 30 probably in that range uh away from this yeah. episode uh overrated or underrated episode 1000 the listeners i know i know they want it i know they want it in their ears Underrated, Zane. Um, yeah. We, of course, right. have so much of a back catalog that we can pull to should we decide to do greatest hits. We have so many great guests that we've had that if we decide to do kind of like a reunion show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, we have such an unbroken, consistent record uh, that, uh, you know, we never miss a beat. Uh, episode 1000. Of course. Cannot disappoint. 
uh, given everything I've just said. Yeah, I mean, people I mean, remember, I'm looking forward to it. People remember 500. That was big. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, they remember 750. I still get stopped. I still get stopped whenever I go to Shawinigan. Yeah, that I mean, awesome. that's wild. I, I mean, and wild. speaking of... Speaking of reunion episodes and big, I mean, someone will probably die on a Peloton on episode one thousand. We we're not we won't tell you which which person. <laughs> the deep cut. It's a deep cut, but Carter, you know, what someone's gonna. It's... Yeah, Carter Carter missed the boat entirely. Carter and talk talk episode thousand up a bit more uh, and tell people. Uh, don't be specific. Why would you? But tell people like what they'd be in store for. There's going to be a group of people who complain about our numbering system, and and here's the Correct. response. Here's the response. Um. The numbering yeah, system is in place because 1,000 is getting better, okay? It's not getting worse. Yeah. We're not pushing it off because it's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting better. Uh, so just know, everybody remembers uh, episode 935. They remember episode Ugh. 935 because the buildup from 934 made 935 a star, right? So I'm just, I'm just going to read one of the reviews for episode 935. Five stars, orgasmic. I mean, <laughs> I'm just reading a review from a listener. Uh, 935, they loved it. They loved or, it. Orgasmic. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I'm being harassed. That's so good. Right? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> People love that. Jesus, Carter. Uh, Corey, episode 1000, like I said, only 10 to 30 episodes away. It is It is going to happen, and it is going to be, it's going to be an event. Let's say that. It's going to be a major event. But for now, we'll leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 999.99 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velge. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.